everybody, and welcome to another episode of Finding Peaks. It's your infamous president and founder, Chris Burns. Grateful to be here. I got my main man to my left, Chief Clinical Officer, Jason Friesma, also known as The Freeze. Oh, yeah. Let's go. And what am I also known as? Motivational specialist. Motivational specialist. I got it down like that. Now. Dude, it's like, it's like boom, boom. Yeah. Easy peasy, as my youngest son would say. And to my right, I'm just really grateful to have just an awesome professional, even better person, Jake Niebuhr, one of our admissions coordinator specialists. Um, just really grateful to have you on today. Thanks for joining us. Excited to be here today. Yeah, thanks um, so coming, much for having me. Absolutely, yeah. man. Coming off a heart day yesterday which is my second favorite day of the week. And I just wanted to define heart day really quickly for the people. Um, in the last year, specifically in the pandemic, um, I had watched myself um, use Wednesday as kind of this pivot point to kind of coast into the weekend with a lot of my things, spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. And in the last year, I found it necessary to turn that hump day into what I think we should call it in recovery, which is heart day. Um, which is where people in recovery are called to become a little bit stronger, a little bit more resilient, and a little bit more connected. And, and it's been my experience. That's where the people in recovery get to pass everybody else. So let's go. Um, let's go. Jake was actually is an alumni of Peaks Recovery Centers um, about three years ago. Uh, yep, in March it'll be three years. Nice, nice man. man. So he's, he was an alumni of Peaks Recovery, um, also uh, an admissions uh, coordinator as well with us, but has also worked other positions at Peaks. Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to open it up to Jake and talk with you a little bit about your journey and kind of how you got here, um, both with Peaks, certainly, uh, but maybe even more specifically, kind of your journey. Um, you're from Southern California. Mm -hmm. Um, been to multiple treatment centers specifically in that Southern California area. And we were talking a little bit before the show and, and something that I was reminded of was that initial phone call that I had with your mom. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was after, uh, to your point, nine treatments and it was hopeless, disconnected and in despair. Mm -hmm. And she essentially told me on the phone, what are you gonna do that all the other people that said they were gonna do something who couldn't follow through, what, what can you bring of value? Right. Um, and I told her, I don't know what the other people did, but what I can tell you is that we'll care deeply. Mm -hmm. And we will care more than the last place you were at. And maybe just talk a little bit about your experience, A, in, in California, but maybe that breath of fresh air that happened when you came to Peaks and kind of got to see the other side of the industry, which is a caring component. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was definitely a rocky, ride um, to get to Peaks. Um, my experience in Southern California was was tough, to say the least. Um, I went to 10 treatments in total. Peaks mm. was my 10th treatment. And so not only was my mother defeated, I was defeated. Mm. I mean, we didn't have a relationship because of it. Um, there, it was disconnected, like mm. you said. I mean, every time we would talk, it was, it was just like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, you know, how are we going to solve this? Mm. And we were both, everybody in my family, it was just lost. I mean, it was, it was just that, that topic that, that no one wants to talk about, mm -hmm. you know? And so coming to Peaks, it, it was, it was definitely a hard experience to want to do it again. I mean, for mm -hmm. a 10th time, you know, you're just, you're lost. It's like, yeah, what, what is going to be different? Mm -hmm. And I have to say, you know, walking in the door, I remember we had coffee um, when I came in within like the first week. Mm -hmm. And that was something I had never experienced. I don't think I ever even met the owner um, or president <laughs> of a company before I had come at any other treatment center. I just felt 
like a number mm -hmm. at, at other treatment centers. Like it was just an assembly line of mm -hmm. people that were just going through over and over. And it's it's actually really sad to say, but yeah. I mean, people are just, they're, they're not getting the quality of care that they deserve at these places. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you come to Peaks, I mean, your treatment plan is individualized. Mm -hmm. It's it's tailored to you, to to what your needs are. I mean, I came in, I had, you know, a backpack of trauma following me. I had legal troubles. Um, the relationship with my family mm -hmm. was non-existent. I burned so many bridges and, you know, I had assigned a great therapist. Um, case management helped me with my court cases. Um, and then, you know, I was in bad health. I had a medical team to help me out with that as well. So I think just having everything addressed as a whole, um, that was really what it took to finally turn the tide and, and get me out of the, the hole I was in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really cool, man. And, and, and I, could, I could feel that on the front end of like, even with you when you showed up, mm -hmm. and, I, and I, I know not to call this anymore, but I was worried. Mm -hmm. I was worried about your ability to navigate this process more specifically your ability to trust again. Right. <laughs> because yeah. when, you, when you get on the phone with a professional and you're vulnerable and you say, please help me, and they put their best foot forward and they hurt you, mm -hmm. that is defeating. And that's gotta be really difficult. And um, just to be able to reboot mm -hmm. and, and to be able to trust again and to lean into that is something unique and something that's, I think, speaks wholeheartedly to your approach to recovery mm -hmm. and more specifically the way that you work with families now yeah um, having had that experience I don't know that there's anybody um, we had Angela in here as well who's had a right. similar experience yeah. um, in Madeline and others and that mm -hmm. admissions team again another shout out best admissions team in the United States right um, but really yeah. leaning into these calls with the experience that you've had and, and being, being, willing, being willing to listen first solve later mm -hmm. has been something that's been um, set in here from other admissions people. Can you mm -hmm. kind of speak to how that has prepared you to not be a good admissions coordinator, but a great admissions coordinator? And that is what I hear from the families that you get to work with. Wow, that's, yeah. that's amazing to hear. I mean, that's mm -hmm. an honor. I mean, honestly, I, I just, I can relate with people. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Like, I've, I've been through it. I've seen my mom go through it, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, that's something that still sits with me, you mm -hmm. know, is, is the pain, it's, it's the struggle that my family went through mm -hmm. to get me there. And so when I get families that call, um, it, it's being able to put myself in their shoes, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, um, it's really close to my heart, yeah. you know. And so I think, um, like you said, listen first, mm -hmm. that's huge. Because a lot of times people, the, the uncertainty that comes with... Mm -hmm you know, having a loved one come into treatment or bringing yourself into treatment. It's just, it's through the roof. You, you don't even know what's going on half the time. Mm -hmm. the, who can I trust? What do I do from here? I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of calls like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think having that relationship with people is first and foremost. Mm -hmm. You know, letting them know like, hey, this, I'm someone you can trust. Um, and our program is something that, you know, it's what, what you see is what you get, you yeah. know? We're not hiding anything. There's, it, it is really a place where you can come and have a nurturing environment mm -hmm. um, and feel safe expressing yourself, working through some of these underlying issues that are always, you know, intertwined with addiction. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just, the way I like to look at it too is 
what we do, I mean, have you heard of the, you know, someone described the difference between sympathy and empathy to me before? Jason, do it. That sounds like something sounds like do, some but yeah, no, go ahead. It could have been, um, but it's, it's like, so the way it was described to me is sympathy is, you know, you're walking along, you see someone in a hole, and you're like, hey, man, that really sucks that you're down in that hole. Empathy is you're walking along, you see someone in a hole, you get down in the hole with them, mm. and you're like, this really does suck. <laughs> this really does <laughs> suck, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me when I came to Peaks is, I was in a hole. We all knew that. Everybody yeah. knew that. But someone sat there next to me and said, hey, how are you going to get yourself out of this hole? Yeah. And I don't think anybody ever asked me that. They were like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this. Someone genuinely is, like, cared enough to be like, how are you going to get yourself out of this hole? And put me in the driver's seat. And, you know, yeah. allowed me to take responsibility for yeah. my own actions. Yeah. So. I love that, too, because we're coming yeah. off the back of, and maybe a lot of people still do it, is this rock-bottom approach. You do this, you do this, because you don't know, you're not informed, and your best thinking got you here, mm. which is how I kind of got sober, um, which isn't trauma-informed and really leads me and probably a lot of us in a way to have some really hard edges. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, Jason, what is it like on the clinical side of things, just having admissions coordinators and specialists that really have big hearts and lean in, and the very way your clinical team does, it kind of sets the stage. Um, I mean, it's, it's weird just sitting here listening to Jake, because obviously I knew Jake from back in the day like you did, and um, <clears throat> it, it is wild that we've done this long enough, Chris, that like the people that we've helped are now helping us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have the privilege of meeting with Jake at, Every week, every other week, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Doing good with it. <laughs> we schedule it every week. It yeah. turns out to be every other week, probably. Yeah. But, um, but just to watch uh, the man he, you're becoming, basically, mm -hmm. and I, it, it maybe actually want to ask you, like, what do you think? Kind of the inflection point was at your, in your recovery, where you're like, okay, I can start to believe in myself and trust myself, because you, you described so well us coming alongside of you and, and being like, how are you going to get out of this hole? When did you start to believe you could get out of the hole? Like, what was the moment that I took responsibility myself? I think that's a great way to put it. Better way to ask the question. Mm. Um, that is a really good question. I would have to say the first 30, 60 days that I was in treatment, I mean, I was so broken, beaten down, and had to work, I had to start from scratch. I had to literally reinvent myself. Um, you know, it's almost like just taking the identity of who I thought I was, who I had all this shame and trauma wrapped up in, and saying like, you know what? I, that's behind me now. I, I think I need to completely start from scratch, from ground zero, and then build myself from the bottom. And um, that probably started once I moved into um, the IOP um, into sober living. We had a um, sober living house mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so being able to you know, get a job, reintegrate myself back into society, have a th therapy meetings that I scheduled you know, for myself, um, making amends to my family, mm -hmm. all those experiences, I mean, that was really the point, is, is once I started having that freedom to be able to go out, use the skills that I had learned in treatment, in these therapy sessions, in groups, everything that we do, um, and finally start to apply it. And then see results, get positive feedback from others, mm -hmm. you know, and stay connected with the community and have people be like, you're doing a great job, mm -hmm. you know? 
How, how long did it take you to be ready to make amends with your family? I think that could be helpful for people watching mm. to know that like it yeah. doesn't, you know, like, because sometimes families we talk too, to families yeah. where it's yeah, like, hey, they, he's been there two weeks. He needs to be apologizing to us. And it's yeah. like, okay, cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, that, it's touchy. It, it is. is touchy. Yeah. I mean, there's no right answer to that question. Right. Um, there is some people that you won't end up making amends to because it could do harm, mm -hmm. you know, to, to bring that relationship back. Right? Yeah. Um, but I would say... The way it just worked out, I mean, my dad came out to visit. I think I was within the first six months of recovery. Yeah. And I did it then. Um, it was great. And, you know, and those experiences bring us closer together. I mean, today I can say I have a, a happy, loving relationship with both my mom and dad, which is something I never thought I would have. Mm. Um, and that's been a blessing. Um, and then my mom came out to visit. This was actually recently over summer, this past summer, she came out to visit. And so that, that took, you know, over two years to do. Oh, so I was going to say it's the first time. That oh, was a little wow. bit more deeply rooted. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> it's a little tougher. So. Yeah. Um, like you really speak to something so important yeah. that it, it took two years not to get the courage up but for you to like do the introspection and figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And probably to get the nerve up to do it, I would imagine, too, because you value that relationship. Yeah. And there was so much damage there. Yeah. Shout out to your mom, by the way. Yeah, like shout this out to your mom. Yeah, she's a big listener. <laughs> for yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. You, what was the question? You said uh, the courage? Or? It, just like, why did it take two years? Maybe that's the question. Because oh, like, oh. I, I think it's important for yeah. families to understand, like, you enter a process and it takes time before you're ready to be like, you know, and I get right. my side of the street now. I can understand how I cause damage. Right. Because families are used to hearing I'm sorry mm -hmm. with no meaning behind it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that was a big part of it, too. It was a gut feeling. Uh, that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was a gut feeling that I had, and I just knew that the time was right. I think, you know, going off what you said, mm -hmm. the introspection that it takes to, to do a you know, proper amends with someone, yeah. yeah, I mean, for it to really come from the heart, I didn't want it to be like that either, because yeah. I know I've yeah. made so many empty promises and done this, but my own living amends, in a sense where in that two years, I had, you know, built a, a life that I can be proud of, mm -hmm. um, that was something that, you know, I think helped, you know, it was kind of like, look, I'm not just saying this this time, like, you know, I have changed. Um, and, and there was some conversations, I think, leading up to the, the amends, the actual conversation that we had, where yeah. the relationship was in a, in a better place as well. So for, for families, like you're saying, I mean, I don't think there's an expectation there um, mm. for loved ones. I don't think there's a hard line. I don't think it's black and white. I think everything, um, it, it's, it's unique to the person. Yeah, and, and I really love, and I think we should speak to, too, really quickly, just that amends process within the 12-step framework is a community-based resource. And it really is about, they don't say it because it was 1935, they don't say shame, but it's really about yeah, right. dismissing my own shame, yeah, yeah. right, and getting that the hell out of here so I don't have to drink again, mm -hmm. right? And the way we, we fight shame is we go out and we make these amends, but we have to change the behavior because to continue to do the behavior is only going to exacerbate the shame. Yeah. And so that's why we call on really taking your time with this, making sure you're ready, because quite frankly, if I haven't changed the behavior, I can't make the amends, because I need to show my family system this change of behavior mm -hmm. and ensure that I don't have to go back and do it again, because then it just turns out to be just another apology. And so mm -hmm. both family and people in care, I just I really encourage people to give themselves time and space to navigate that process, because it's an event. 
and a really big process. And it's something we should get to if we're doing this process well. Um, but to do it well, we need to give ourselves time, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. And you, you bring up a good point, man. You said feeling safe here. Um, yesterday, I was having a smoothie um, with a female client. And I walked right in. I said, I, I was looking at your list, and it said it had all of these fruits that she liked. And I saw strawberries and grapes and bananas and dragon fruit. And I go in there, and I know the exact one I'm getting for, right? Mm -hmm. I go in and I get the berry, the, ban the banana berry burst, and I bring it right to her, and I'm like, I got everything, everything you wanted on here. I'm so happy. And she takes a drink and she goes, I've been working on this in therapy, but I told you no bananas. <laughs> she goes, and, and I need to not worry about what you're going to leave here thinking about me. I need to tell you, use my voice and say, I told you no bananas. Mm -hmm. And I said, No, I got it right here. And I looked and I said. You're right. It says no bananas. <laughs> and I was like, I really appreciate you doing that. That is something she had talked about with her treatment team, um, potentially about using her voice and utilizing an opportunity. And here I came, the president and founder, dropping off a $10 smoothie. And she said, you got it wrong. That's where I want Peaks Recovery Centers to be, because she deserves presence. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I wasn't present. My goal on Monday was to be present. Um, and very quickly, she showed me that I have some room to grow, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> I thought was do. awesome. Yeah, and cool. I think that's kind of Peaks culture is like people can come up to ownership and say, hey, you said you were going to be here at 9 a.m. You got here at 9.06. It kind of hurts. And I think that's the safety and trust that we can build with the Chris Burns, the Jason Friesma, the Jake Niebers, and that can really foster connectivity and trust moving forward. Mm -hmm. you know? So what did I say? I said, well, I'll be back next week with a smoothie with no bananas. You have my word. Yeah. You know, is there anything as we get ready to kind of um, finish up here? Is there anything that you would like families to know? Again, Jake is a missions coordinator. He fields hundreds of calls um, with not only vulnerable people, but families that are just in chaos. They're hurt. They're in fear. Is there anything you want to leave the viewers with um, something specific that you just want to let them know um, to dismiss fear or shame or just create some connection? Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up? Um, you know, for families, I, I just know it's really tough. And I guess I would say you're not alone. I think that would be the biggest thing. Um, that seems to be very comforting to hear for a lot of people because it feels like you're alone in those yeah. situations. I think addiction is an, it's an isolating yeah. disease. That's yeah. what it is. Um, and it's not just isolating for the person who's in the middle of addiction. The families are experiencing those, the same feelings, but they don't get to use substances to drown those feelings out a lot right. of the time. So it can be even more intense. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. You know, you're not alone in this. There's a lot of other families that are going through what you're going through, and I would definitely you know, just reach out, reach out for help. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely huge, man. It's so interesting. I was texting with Madeline a little bit before he got over here, and there's a guy coming in tonight. She's like, if you could just reach out to him and just see how yeah. he's doing. He needs a little bit of support because his family has a bunch of substance use, and he feels all alone, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So when we leave here, I'm just going to reach out, just another person in recovery, and just simple stuff like that. Um, there's no, and that's another thing. I just want to give a shout out to you and the admissions team of just, I do all of the introduction calls at Peaks. You hear from the founder first, and um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten on the phone and they say, 
um, hey, Jake, you know Jake? And I'm like, do I know Jake? Of course I know Jake. Um, if it wasn't for Jake, we wouldn't be there. I have heard that at least three times in the last three months. They'll say something like, Jake has been working with us for four weeks. He called us every week just to see how we were doing, wow. just to touch base. Yeah. And so families are experiencing the beauty that is your recovery, man. So That's thank you for coming on. That's thank so you for amazing. being who yeah. you are. Thank you so much for having me. It's Absolutely. been awesome. Cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, all right, we're going to wrap it up here. Please find us on all your social media outlets as well as your podcast. We got Instagram, Facebook, podcast. We got a TikTok. TikTok. We, we got have a TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Follow TikTok. us on TikTok. Right. We're releasing videos. We're going to figure out a way to get Finding Peaks potentially on Instagram if that works. Uh, we got a lot of viewers on Instagram that have been hitting me up uh, in the message saying, hey, can we have this aired on Instagram? So maybe that'll be a thing. Until next time, let's go. All right.